You're listening to Cosplay Bites, the podcast that takes a closer look at the world of cosplay, conventions, and all the nerdy bits and bites. Brought to you by the Lightning Palace and proudly sponsored by Anchor. Join me as I discuss a variety of topics and conventions alongside the joy of bringing your favorite characters to life. All right, here I am back for another episode of Cosplay Bites, and uh, this time around, um, I've got my lovely friend, the ever so wonderful to talk with, uh, Mink the Seder, with me for this go around. How are you? I'm doing as well as I can be. How are you doing? I'm getting tired again. I have another cup of coffee right next to me. <laughs> I've been playing too many video games now. Now that I'm on oh, vacation. coffee drinkers. That's, I hate to say, in this time of quarantine, I am very uh, blessed and highly favored that I do not have an addiction to coffee because I imagine it's getting increasingly difficult for folks to get a hold of it. Right. Yeah. It can be. I mean, this is probably my last cup for the day. Maybe. Yeah, it is. At the time I, of recording, it's like 4.30, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely my last cup, then. Cinnamon-flavored <laughs> cinnamon flavored coffee. Oh, I, you like your sugar coffee, don't you? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't have sugar in it. It's just cinnamon-flavored coffee with cream only. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, that's how I have my coffee, just cream only. But then, like, I did an errand today, and then on the way home, I got more food at Dunkin' because I was hungry for lunch. And then I got coffee with a shot of raspberry in it. And that was something. Oh, yeah, boy, that was something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this episode is going to be another installment of the uh, Why We Cosplay series that I kind of jump started not too long ago, I think last month, um, with Land Art Cosplay. Um, where basically we pick a franchise that both me and my guests know a lot about and why it's such a popular franchise to cosplay from. So um, the first one was Final Fantasy, which was somewhat timely. And now I figured uh, me knowing Mink for as long as I have and the kind of outfit that she did, or she still does, uh, why not talk about Pokemon? Because God knows, I don't know when it's ever going to end. Uh, well, there is a, the expansion DLC coming out. Oh, boy. I don't have time for that. I really don't. <laughs> I'll get it later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I've only done one Pokemon cosplay for my entire time in, well, cosplaying in general, and that was Greninja uh, a couple years ago. But Mink over here has been doing one for so many years. In fact, I wonder, are you was that last year where you had your idea of cosplaying a Pokemon once a month? Um... I think it might have been two years ago okay. at this point. All right. So, um, yeah. So, I think what draws people to Pokemon and cosplaying from it is that literally it's like Gajinka heaven. Like, you have over 
over 700 creatures to pick from and then you pick one you like and then you just go to town on whatever the heck you want to base it off of whether you want to go for like almost as literal as you can possibly get to like take a pokemon and reimagine it as it was in like a medieval time frame or like mash it up with like other franchises like Dungeons and Dragons or you can go completely in a direction where you base a swimwear off of it, which seems to be a hit uh, for conventions like Colossal Con. Um, yeah, so some of Mink's standout uh, Pokemon outfits that I've seen uh, include her Mimikyu, um, Tentacruel. <laughs> I don't know why I'm blanking on them. I think it's because you've done so many. It's just hard to uh, narrow down which ones you've actually done. Like, you did Caterpie or was it Metapod? No, I did Caterpie. Caterpie, Caterpie. You did Caterpie. You've done... Yeah, just a whole bunch. So, um, what about Pokemon uh, has left an impact on you? Like, why do you cosplay from it so much? I mean, you're obviously, you're obviously a fan of the game. Like, people, make no mistake, whenever I go to cons with this girl, um... More often than not, she buys more Pokemon plushies for her ever-growing collection. I'm um, trying to get better. I am paring down these days. How much How much are you buying per con? <laughs> uh, well, the last couple of cons, I actually have not purchased any new Pokemon plushies, despite loving them so deeply. I am acknowledging the first step to healing is acknowledging that you have a problem. Uh, my intention was that at um, Kineticon 2020, I was going to um, just give a lot of my Pokemon plushies away. But um, we are in a holding pattern now as to whether or not we will have uh, Kineticon 2020. So things we will see what happens. <laughs> right. But that particular uh, convention is rather special to me because for the last several years, I have run the um, Pokemon meetup that happens at that particular convention. Um, oh, wow. A couple of years ago, I hijacked it. Like, there wasn't anyone who was running it. So I was like, okay, I'll just take charge. Uh, and so I had been doing that for a couple of years uh, until finally last year. So this would be uh, Kineticon 2019. Uh, there wasn't any Pokemon meetup scheduled and people were messaging on the um, Kineticon Facebook group like, where's the Pokemon meetup? Why is that not happening? And so I was like, all right, guys, don't worry. I will. I'll take care of it. I will step up and deal with it. <laughs> and so when I emailed the event planner, who's a, he's a friend of mine. And he was like, oh, well, you've just been doing it. Like, I automatically just had been putting it in because I figured it was something that people were interested in. But since you've been running it and doing such a nice job of running it, I figured I was just going to give you the keys to the kingdom and ask you, like, what day works best for you? <laughs> so, like, wow. literally some random night. I want to say it was, like, April or early May, some random night. Uh, the two of us were like back and forthing at like 10 at night on like some random Sunday, like working out the details and everything. Oh, wow. 
That's Always great. a good time. And so I imagine like a lot of people show up to this meetup if, if a lot of people were asking about it. Yeah, so usually we get um, a little over 100 people show up. Whoo! That's a lot. And each year we do something bigger and greater. So last year um, was the first year that I had um, hired some photographers, some designated photographers, in addition to like any meetup uh, at these conventions is usually like a photo moment. But something that I did was I hired three photographers to show up. Um, one of them was specifically hired to do individual or small group shots off to the side. One of them I hired specifically to do like group photos of like the whole event where people, you know, you do the five, four, three, two, one new pose yelling sure. that you hear at conventions. And then the third photographer I actually hired as a videographer and he got video of the whole thing and then compiled it into like a three minute teaser video, which I Ooh. now have. And I've got to push out to the, um, to the folks who were present at the event, because obviously they want to see video of the whole affair. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a fabulous time. And last year was also the year where um, I brought raffle tickets. Okay. In years past, I've done like kind of raffles, but this this year was the big one where I did like a straight up raffle instead of just throwing prizes into the crowd. And so everyone got a raffle ticket. Everyone was adorable because they were like, how much do the raffle tickets cost? And I was like, one per person. And they were like, yeah, but how much do they cost? And I was like, nothing. I know we're at a convention and everything costs everything, but I'm nice. Take a damn ticket. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, but I but sometimes people don't have money. So take a ticket. Um, I had so many prizes because in addition to stuff that I created or purchased or was like just auctioning from um, previous like stuff that I had that was Pokemon related. I also had uh, friends, fans, vendors, you name it. They all donated something. Nice. So I had like Kigus to give away. I had pl plushies for sure. Um, I think so that was a big year last summer because it was before Pokemon Sword and Shield came out but right. i had gotten my hands on sword and shield starter plushies so like i had plushies that people just didn't have yet that i was giving away wow um we had enamel pins we had purses we had all kinds of crazy crap um so it was a really big deal so obviously i wanted to make kineticon 2020 similarly as big but we will see how big it shall be if it happens. Yeah. Yeah, part of me feels like this might be the year where just like no cons happen whatsoever. Well, there's a Facebook group called Cancel Con 2020 that is dedicated <laughs> to oh exactly God. that sentiment. So, of course, they were all over it when San Diego Comic-Con pulled I was out. Gonna, I was going to say, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con. 
Uh, Colossal Con also this week made the announcement that instead of being in June, they're going to move to August. Okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not August. They're going to be September. I know it's September because they're going to be Labor Day weekend competing with conventions like Dragon Con. So that would oh, be boy. hella interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had just put in an application for a professional badge for representing the show for New York Comic Con. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, like, A... I wasn't planning on going because of a wedding and B I'll pretty much only consider going if I get this badge. Well, if, let's if, put it this way. The Javits center has to stop being a hospital in order for, can uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean like everything's up in the air now. So it's just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're recording in mid April. So right now the Javits center in New York city is where um, New York comic-con happens. And that is currently a, um, a makeshift hospital. Yeah. I mean, don't worry. Uh, my home state has uh, the uh, Boston uh, convention and expo center is also a makeshift hospital. So all the convention centers are, a little bit busy so that means that boston comic-con i'm sorry boston fan expo is probably going to be off the table unless something major happens right yeah i think I and feel that's like... an early august con i want to say it usually is yeah like pax east was just very lucky that it happened when it did <laughs> well pax east happened but uh Despite it being um, in February slash one day was March, a lot of the gaming companies had reduced forces or just straight up canceled, like Sony. Pulled out, yep. Um, so it was affected, but it wasn't shut down. And it probably yeah. should have been shut down. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I'm not upset that it happened because I had a wonderful time, but Oh, so did I. Holy smokes. But anyway, we've got we've We've gone way off topic. So far off, uh, <laughs> Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon. Uh yeah, so I mean, what do you think draws people to cosplay from Pokemon aside from if it's not just like all the reasons I stated, like how you got all these you get over like a 700 things to cosplay from, and then you just let your oh, imagination. You're adorable. Okay, let me lay Eight, it down. 800? Let me lay it down. Uh, <laughs> at last count, I think it's like 890 something. So, okay. 700. What game were you playing? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Come on. I know. Now. I'm, being, I'm being silly. You're being silly. Um, so, the first thing that you have to kind of square away is the difference between the people who are cosplaying the characters like the npcs or even pcs or the show or the comic versus the people who are cosplaying as pokemon now you threw down a word earlier gajinka and for those uninitiated it's basically anthropomorphism it's making something that isn't human into a human for the most part right so there are a lot of people who grew up with Pokemon. It's been around for like 24 years, I want to say now. 
So with over 20 years of being a franchise, it's had a lot of different media that it's existed in, including movies and television. So a lot of people have fallen in love with the characters from the games by watching them on shows. Like uh, even characters within the games, uh, the more recent games have had their spot in the sun uh, on the TV show. Right. They made their debut. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who want to cosplay those characters just because for the same reason that you would want to cosplay any character, because you enjoy the character, you enjoy the aesthetic. I know Pokemon Sword and Shield had a lot of really good gym trainer aesthetics. So a lot of folks were like, oh my God, I need to cosplay him, her, whatnot. Oh Um, yeah. And it happened to have a lot of good, like, aesthetics for people of varying body type, age, ethnicity. Like, Sword and Shield was very inclusive in that way. So there were a lot of people who were like, oh, my God, I need to cosplay uh, Nessa because she's beautiful, exotic, and a dance, like, got this wonderful, like, sporty dancer thing going. And she's, you know, uh, perfect for those who are, you know, cosplayers of color who want to have like a really beautiful design that they can play with like there was there was a lot going on in pokemon sword and shield oh yeah then there's of course the pokemon which range the gamut from like cute to ugly to stupid to badass to awesome you know it's very inspiring right I started cosplaying Pokemon because I played Pokemon Blue when Woo-hoo. I was in grade school. Woohoo! I look great, so I don't date myself. Um, when I was still in school, <laughs> when I was still in school, I played Pokemon, and um, I just really loved the crap out of those games um, so very much. I think it's the first video game that I spent like a hundred plus hours on to beat. I absolutely filled my Pokedex. Uh, it was, it was such a liberating and wonderful experience. So of course it represents a lot of like nostalgia to me. Yeah. My raison d'etre is that I am on a quest to cosplay the first 151 Pokemon. Okay. How's that going? It's a very slow process. We mentioned <laughs> earlier that I'm cosplaying like one Pokemon a month. Well, there's only 12 months in a year. So if you do 151 and divide by 12, it's not a cute number. No, it's not. So it's going to take me a while. But it is something that it's a lofty goal that gives me focus. It gives me something to work toward. And for me, that's a huge huge deal to have focus i like cosplaying as pokemon though because it's very freeing from an artistic standpoint Mm -hmm. i get to design them or i can you know use someone else's design with permission but i get to decide how i want to execute each pokemon so if i want to make an armor build well i get to decide what pokemon would work for an armor build. Yeah. If I want to do a ball gown, I get to decide what Pokemon would work for a ball gown. 
So a lot of times what winds up happening is I decide like, oh, you know what I'm in the mood for? I'm in the mood to make this kind of costume. And then I'll literally, I'll like pull up the Pokedex and I will go through and just say like, what? Which Pokemon best exemplifies that thing I'm in the mood for? Yeah. And then sometimes it works the other way around where I'm like, you know what? I really want to cosplay this Pokemon. Well, what would it look like? Right. That's typically what happens when there's like a new Pokemon that comes out. And I'm like, oh, like that's that's how I felt with um, Wulu when that Pokemon was dropped. I was like, oh, I want to cosplay that. Well, what would that look like? Yeah. As opposed to right now, I'm on a kick where I'm like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I, I want to do a... Uh, I want to do a ball gown. What would be a good ball gown? Oh, you know what? Weepin' Bell. We'll make Weepin' Bell a ball gown. And that's exactly what you did. I did. I very much did that. You you took a pun and you just went full force with it. So, so for those yeah, unaware, yeah. Yeah, for those unaware, um, I believe it happened in a stream. No. No. Even worse, it happened at a KatsuCon. Oh, oh, okay. I think I remember this because I probably was around you when you it happened. You were at KatsuCon. Yeah, it was, it was like at a- the Saturday of a KatsuCon. I want to say it was KatsuCon 2018. Yeah. So the pun was, you know, Weeping Bell. It's got the word bell in it, but not like it in like a, a, a bell ring-a-ding-ding bell, but more like uh bell from beauty and the beat so it honestly it designs itself it designed itself so mink took that idea and she ran with it and lo and behold uh i don't think i saw it in person but you did actually end up creating weeping bell as yeah i wound up doing it about six months later as i had planned because at the time i had a list of cosplay and I had what month I was going to do it in. <laughs> so uh, I'm. it's like February 2018. And I was like, I've got this great idea. And I started telling everyone who would listen and people who didn't want to listen. Um, I was telling everyone up and down. And so I was like, and I'm going to make it in, pulls out phone, scrolls down list, August. <laughs> and then I did. I made it in August. I brought it with me to Dragon Con. I wandered like a cat into the dragon con cosplay masquerade and then i won an award which i did not expect to do because i didn't even know there was a dragon con masquerade (laughs) yeah what um so aside from that um this may be one of your well okay first of all for those so my only Pokemon that I've cosplayed as was Greninja, because he quickly became one of my all-time favorite uh, Pokemon designs. I mean, that's, that that may sound like a cheap shot, because he's arguably mostly a popular Pokemon worldwide. But I'm just, I was just a sucker for ninjas, and I'm mostly a sucker for water starters, because that's how I do every single game. Like, pick with the water starter. I don't care if they're unappealing i'm a fire starter myself but that's yeah, okay that's all right but uh yeah so it was mainly um using like household items in my uh 
home. Uh, kind of went with like a um, <coughs> uh, a long sleeve blue jacket, like blue pants. I like taped or glued on like blue ninja stars to replicate his uh, knee pads. I had white knee pad, white uh, elbow pads. Um, and then that's for the wig. I went with a blue wig, but then I made a little headband um, replicating his like head ear shape. And then along with uh, a couple of ninja stars done in blue to replicate his signature water shuriken. And, uh, oh, and a long red scarf that mimicked his tongue. And it was very comfy to wear. Sounds it. Yeah. Um, I was gonna ask, and this may be like a, one of those, like, I can't choose, it's like picking your children, but, uh, <laughs> uh, do you have, like, top three, top five, or, like, a favorite Pokemon Gajinka you've ever made? Oh, man, that is hard. Yeah, see? Like picking your children. Well, it's not. <laughs> It's not like picking my children. It's just like I, I am in the mood for <coughs> different. It's like being in the mood for different food. Okay. Like, you know, my nine tails will always be uh, iconic. Oh, yeah. That was when I really started, like, going aggressive with making Pokemon-specific costumes. Like, I had been doing uh, a lot of costumes and cosplay but i hadn't been specifically working on pokemon and that was a big turning point um i feel like butterfree was a very successful one that was not the first one where i've designed my own fabric for it but it certainly it certainly was one where that i designed my own fabric paid off very strongly Oh, wow. Uh, Meowth got a lot of good feedback from people. Um, there are folks who still reference Meowth as being uh, among my fa uh, their favorites of mine, which is very, it's very kind. Um, weirdly, Venomoth got a lot of like positive receipt uh, from folks, like a positive reception. Right. But I suspect that's because who doesn't like, you know, a go-go outfit. But that one was very, like, raver girl was the inspiration point. Yeah. And it really came about because I wanted to make, you know, those, um, you know, those knee-high leg, like the, they're like knee-high fur legging things that all the raver chicks wear. You mean like not they're, and they're not like they're not part of the boot per se, but it's almost like an it's almost like a what do you uh, what do you like an arm sleeve so to speak? Yeah, it's like an arm sleeve, but for your your legs and it's fur. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw your venomoth. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted I wanted those. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the start of it. Is I wanted that, and so I was like, oh, okay. And I happened to like find a platform holographic purple boot that was just the right shade of purple. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to make this. Like so many of my cosplays have started because I found a cool shoe. Like Venomoth, Sylveon, and Butterfree easily 
were cosplays I started because I found an amazing shoe and was like, all right, building a cosplay now. <laughs> um, to a lesser extent, Cubone as well. But I actually found the shoe after I had a basic idea of what I wanted to do. And then I was like, well, this is fabulous. Um, but Venomoth was exciting because halfway through the project, I decided that I was going to add a second set of arms. Yeah. So I came up with a design that did not have four arms. It was just like cute raver Venomoth. This is going to be fun. It was one of the first times I was using foam, but not for armor, just for like a headpiece. And it wound up like being really easy and convinced me that working with foam should be easy. <laughs> I don't know why I was afraid of it. Yeah. Because my, um, my Venomoth headpiece was so easy to do. And it was so like came together so quickly. Um, so, so uh, I decided just on a complete whim, like, eh, you know, I bet I could add another set of arms to this and go for the full moth look. And it was so much fun. Because then when I walked around conventions, people were like double taking Take because I'd be walking yeah. around with my hands on my hips, hiding the second set of arms. And then I'd move <laughs> my set of arms, but there'd still be hands on my hips somehow. <laughs> yeah. But that's very, that is incredibly easy to do. For those of you who are curious, I had actually ordered um, some detachable mannequin arms which you guess you can get. You can get them on, um, you can get them on Amazon. Uh, they were articulated so I could pose them and they had this little uh, spike that you would insert into like a dress form or a mannequin. But instead I, ins I um, epoxied them into a PVC tube and then I um, very carefully sewed on uh, some nylon webbing in the shape of uh, like an infinity shape. I think I also might have used an, um, a staple gun to just staple it to the PVC. Anyway, I wound up wearing that like a backpack and then built my, um, I had a fur jacket. So I built my fur jacket to have multiple sleeves, like four armholes. Um, so that hid the rigging really well. So people were very confused how suddenly they were looking at somebody with four arms. <laughs> and wearing yeah. wings in the back also helped hide any bulk that this rig had added. But it was it was so easy. And for something that was so easy, I love when um, something easy has a high payout like that. For sure. But yeah. as I said at the top of this, a lot of it comes down to like creativity and what I'm in the mood for. Um, one year I was in the mood to make uh, my own mermaid tail because it seemed like something interesting that I wanted to do. And I had never done it before, but it looked easy. So I was like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to do that. And so then I made Sea King. Right. Yeah. Just all comes down to what you're in the mood for. It's just, sad but true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, thinking about... When KDA, um, the League of Legends 
uh, skin came out and everyone was obsessed with that. I was like, that's really cool. But everybody's going to be doing um, a Kali and that's awesome. But like, I want to do something like I want that, but a little different. So I wound up uh, recoloring it. And that's what I did for Jolteon. Yeah, that got so me. So I really got to hyped. scratch that itch yeah. and make that sweet jacket, which I <laughs> will wear to this day because the jacket is so baller. It is really baller. I'm. I didn't get to see it in person, did I? Um, I don't think so. I wore it the Sunday of PAX last year, and you usually leave early on Sundays. Right. I think. I think I only oh yeah that was uh, I went one day at PAX last year so no I didn't see it in person but I saw the picture and I was like oh my god it's fabulous that jacket was fine I had um instead of having a dragon on the back I drew art of Jolteon and then I had that um, printed in leather Whew. and then I attached that to the back yeah so I not only had a sweet puffer jacket but I had the emblem on the back was made in leather which is so <laughs> cool fancy. Oh, it was super fancy. A lot of my, I'm as I look through, I'm and I have a folder on my computer that's just my Pokedex. Um, <laughs> oh man, it's just what it's called. It's called Pokedex. It's in my costumes folder. Uh, it helps me get a sense of what I'm doing. Right. And what's that? What? I said right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, so uh, I'm just looking through it now. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was that was fun. This is a good one. This was fun. This was fun. Oh, God. That was a pain in the ass to make. This was fun. This was fun. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. If, was there any one of these that was like a real pain in the ass? Uh, I want to say uh, Goldine was a pain in my finger because while I was making the headdress, I sustained second degree uh, burns on my hand. Oh, no. Well, I made Goldine in about four days. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> I finished work and then I had four days before a convention and then I just got inspired to make Goldine. So I was like, oh, okay, I've got time. <laughs> so I made it in four days and yeah. while I was working on the headdress, I had made a puddle of hot glue and my hot glue is like really high temp hot glue oh, and boy. I had slipped or something while I was trying to affix something or maybe I was just grabbing something anyway my finger like landed in the puddle of hot glue and oh, it was deeply painful I had two very severe blisters um, that had to be lacerated a few times which is ne never a good thing when you actually have because in most cases it's better to let your blisters drain on their own. But these ones, they were so painful. I had to get them lacerated. Um, but yeah, that one, that was very, very painful. Really? Uh, it, it was fine. Uh, and I'm surprised I have full, I don't have any lasting nerve damage. I don't have any scarring, which is most impressive. I was expecting very much to have nerve damage and scarring from that. Oh yeah. I imagine. I mean, at some point, I'm sure every single thing that I've done was a pain somehow. Making dugong was very painful because it was just so much fabric. Right. Um, but I'm just trying to think if anything, if there was anything that I like straight up lost my temper on. The only one that 
I've lost my temper on is not represented here because I've been working on the concept for Rapidash for the last like two years. I haven't fully made huh. it happen yet because I'm trying to do uh, movable centaur Rapidash and that comes with a lot of moving parts. Oh. And so coordinating all those parts is, has proven to yeah, be time-consuming. Yeah, if you want to go full centaur on that, I mean, yeah. a that that's perfect, and also b, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. And now, is this is this regular rapidash that you're doing, or the yeah, Gower this one version? would be regular rapidash. I mean, I've been designing it and working on it off and on, well before Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, oh, okay. When uh, Sword and Shield came out and they showed Galarian forms, I was like, well, this is good because it solves what am I going to do about Ponyta? Because Ponyta looks exactly like Rapidash minus a little bit less fire and no, like, no unicorn horn. Yeah. But when you are doing a design, <laughs> like a Gajinka design, you use these, like, small things to mean something um so when i was looking at the difference between ponyta and rapidash from a design perspective there's not a whole lot different because like how do you show less fire yeah, or how yeah. do you, like it just it doesn't like the same the same thing is true to some degree with um growlith and arcanine how do you show less, less fur, fur. Yeah. And the answer is you don't unless you have someone who's physically next to you dressed as the other, you know, Evolution. if I'm Growlithe, this this friend is Arcanine. So someone can be like, oh, that's what, okay. I can see the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. So it is, that part does become challenging, but the good news is that I have used, um, I've used Galarian forms to help differentiate right so as they start happening i'm like okay i'm gonna use that you know well there's not there is a huge difference between Volpix and um nine tails but i chose to do the galarian form because when i did it i think the galarian form was still kind of new um but also because i was like well i just did a fire type Pokemon earlier that year. I'm I want to do something a little different. Yeah. Wait. No, Vulpix had the it was an Alolan form. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I may have said Galarian. I meant Al yeah. Alolan, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Idea. I get the idea. Yeah. No, my brain was just racking about potential ideas, and I'm wondering. I wonder, like, for me personally, like a perfect melding of both this and another favorite franchise of mine, actually the last episode that we did about why we cosplay, but like, I wonder if anyone merged like a dragon type Pokemon, but then like create it as if it was a dragoon from Final Fantasy. Oh, I don't know. That'd be sick. <laughs> but like, that's, that's where it all happens is you like come up with a, you know, what you think is like, oh, this is such a seed idea. This is like a, a, a small little thing and then you do some research so like when i was doing weep and bell i was like well the universe has to have done something with that 
And then when I did a Google search and didn't find anything, I was genuinely surprised, which meant that this was new novel and something that needed to exist in the world. And even if it did exist, it's cool to see what's out there. Like I've definitely done some costumes that have existed in this world. Like I did a tribal Zubat. Well, guess what? There have been tribal Zubats before. I'm not reinventing the wheel there. Um, but I made my shield look like a gallbat. That was new or different and that made me happy. Um, but at the same time, like I came up with an idea recently to do Q-Bone instead of doing that tribal, which is a pretty common trope to do because um, of like that bone imagery. I was like, well, Q-Bone is a Pokemon who lost its mother at an early age and it's like so sad. And that kind of reminded me of those like porcelain victorian dolls you know what i'm talking about oh okay yeah i think so yeah so that informed i was like well you know what since since the like kajinka design world for cubone is pretty full with tribal designs there's nothing new that i'm gonna bring to the table definitely i think uh because i know uh when jessica negri did her cubone it was mostly tribal and a lot of a lot of folks go tribal again because of the bone Im imagery and it is I wasn't sure how I was going to do Cubone because how do you do something that's already been done a thousand times and yeah, feel I like, mean, like your design and people I mean don't get us wrong like some of the like not it's not that like all like everyone like would do like a tribal Cubone or a Marowak but They'll make it their own. It's not like they're all like picking the exact same design head to toe. No, like some people are. Some people are using it based off of uh, existent fan art. But right. some, the folks who are making their own, you know, have put their own unique stamp on it. And my feeling was, I, there's nothing original for me to do that wouldn't be a rehash of what all of these amazing artists have already done. Yeah. So when I started thinking about it, I was like, well, it, I don't think I've seen like a kawaii desu, like, you know, a cutesy, like a baby doll Cubone yet. And so I started researching, like, are there designs out there? So like, I can see what other folks have been up to and I didn't really find anything. So I was like, okay, cool. This will be an area where I can make my mark. So that was another opportunity where I got to design my own fabric for that. And that was actually every single piece of cloth that I am wearing <coughs> in that costume was fabric that I designed. Ooh. That's interesting. I mean, some of it is like, okay, you designed stripes. Good job. But like, <laughs> It, it just means that, like, I had full, complete creative control over what the fabric I was using is. Yeah. Which was fun. I strongly recommend it if you have any inclination. If you have any um, uh, digital art background at all, it's fun to, like, design your own fabric. Mm. But it also like... means that you're not limited because sometimes I'll come up with a design and be like, oh, great. I have this cool idea, but I don't have, I can't find 
the green fabric I want, you know? Yeah. And then it's like thinking back to uh, cons in the summer, like mainly Colossal Con, that's almost like prom. Like sometimes, like when Pokemon cosplay are a big boom at a convention, sometimes they'll take the convention location at heart and it just like populates itself. So, like what I was getting at with Colossal Con, that's mainly like a water park themed con. That's when everyone breaks out. If they're doing Pokemon, they break out the water types and just go full on bathing suit, creative, interesting. Like some will just have like an interesting bathing suit um, design. Others will have that plus like headgear or some armor work. Um, I've seen several. I've seen like Greninjas in bikini form. I've seen like a bathing suit version of Kyogre. Um, Totodile. I feel like the starter Pokemon to get a lot more love at these kinds of cons. Definitely. Well, there is a lot of um, recognition currency. Yeah. So, like, I know that part of the reason why I am focusing on the original 151 is that, like, yes, the other Pokemon can be inspiring. And I've certainly done cosplays of other Pokemon that inspire me. But the reality is that the majority of people may have had exposure to the first generation of Pokemon, and that might be the extent of it. They kind of dropped off or, like, felt like they grew they grew out of the Pokemon craze, and then... Right. Exactly, so, yeah. You know, there are some way out there Pokemon that might be super cool or fun to cosplay, but, like... I don't know. The number of people who would recognize a Trubbish versus uh, a Dragonite. Yeah, what's a Garbodor? The fuck is that? It's a giant piece of trash. (laughs) Right, but like if I go to a convention, there might be someone who is like, I don't know what you are. What is this? And I would say like, you know, and this happened for even a popular Pokemon like Mimikyu is rather popular as far as the newer Pokemon go, but had I not looked more like Pikachu, you know, I think it would have been less successful as far as recognizability goes. But like a lot of people didn't know what that was. Yeah. Or when I did cosplay as Wulu, a lot of folks were very confused. And even cosplaying as Galarian Ponyta meant that people didn't know what I was. Um so when I told people I was a Ponyta, they, oh, like folks who are familiar with Pokemon were like, oh, but isn't that a fire type? And I was like, yeah, but they remade Ponyta in like a recent game. And it's kind of like cotton candy realness, which at least meant that we could be like talking about something. And a lot of times what would happen is like there'd be a group of folks and they'd be like, oh, no, no, no. They're, this is exactly what a Galarian Ponyta's colors are. They'd like pull it up and everyone's like, oh, OK, yeah, this is, <laughs> I totally get it now. Oh, that's always a good reaction. But yeah, it, it, it is challenging. Um, as I start exploring Pokemon that people don't care about as much, um, it <laughs> means that I have to be kind of better about my designs. So I'm not saying that people don't care about Farfetch'd, 
But until Surfetched happened, no one cared about Farfetched. Now everyone does. <laughs> right. We're like, I've done Diglett. Nobody cares about Diglett. Until it grew Fabio hair. <laughs> That's fair, but. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think Venomoth is definitely my poster child for cosplaying a uh, Pokemon that nobody cosplays. Although Tentacruel to some degree as well. Yeah, because some Pokemon are just like too, they're too weird or not that appealing looking or like... Oh, well, stats are terrible. Like, Tentacruel is a lousy Pokemon to play with. Yeah, it is. There are so many better, better water types. And poison types. Yeah, isn't isn't Tentacruel water? Is it water poison? I thought so. It might I, be straight up one of those. I'm gonna do a quick look up. Part of me thought it was like water flying because I don't know why I get. No, weird. it is definitely not water flying. I can tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't no, know. No, I got it right. It's uh, water poison. Yeah, Gyarados is water flying. Yeah. Right? Uh. Is it? I think. Because I always feel like it gets a like if you hit it with a good electric type. No, I'm pretty sure Gyarados is water dragon. Oh, maybe they retconned him into a water dragon. I think you're confusing um, uh, Charizard. No, Charizard. Oh no, no, you're right. Gyarados is water flying. Damn, you're right. Yeah, no, because I Mega Gyarados definitely gets the dragon type. Yeah, no, because I was getting weird flashbacks of like Pokemon Stadium where like you fight against a Gyarados, like, you hit it with a clean Thunderbolt or Thunder, it is a one hit kill because double it's type. It's super effective on both. Yeah. Well, um, Gyarados and um, Charizard were both lame in that way. Because of both the of them should have been a dragon type, dragon and element. But the game only had three dragons, and that was the Dratini line. Yeah, at the time. And Dratini was the pseudo evolution, um, pseudo legendary. And at the time, Dragon was so overpowered with um, much fewer uh, counterbalances to it. Yep. So I think Nintendo was, or Game Freak was very reluctant. To make, for example, a starter Pokemon be dragon type, because then yeah. who would choose Bulbasaur? Who would choose Squirtle? Knowing that Charizard is a dragon type, like there's yeah. no system of balance. So I get why, but it's still stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the mega evolutions exist, and that's why their um, type changes at the mega evolutions. Yeah. Or at least that's my, like, Illuminati-confirmed theory. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm doing the pyramid you, over my eye. Yeah. Have you liked how, I guess, I guess it must have started with Sun and Moon, where they stopped making, like, the final evolution of the starter types be a dual type? And they would just like they would be reverted back to just full on like water type only, no added on. Wait, what? So no, Sun and Moon very much had dual typing. 
Well, no, no, no. For the starters. Yeah, for the starters. What was it? Oh, it was a water fairy type for Primarina. Okay, nope, nope. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. So we then had I guess. Water fairy. Um, it was fire. It was either fire dark or fire fighting. It was fire dark. Yeah, that took, and then that took everyone by surprise. Grass. Who would grass? Grass what? Um, Decidui was ghost grass. Ghost grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It was one of it was one of the more powerful ghost grass. Yeah. Sorry, Trevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pr uh, hand hump. Yeah, Primarina lucked out that it could actually handle dragon types. Yeah. Thank God. Because that's the thing I never, I guess I never fully understood. Like, why, why out of all the types? Is water not very effective against dragon types? That's very weird to me. I don't know why. Um, I'm not as I'm not as worried about that because they made ice effective, and I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, ice dragon, and then they introduce fairy types. Yeah, fairy is one of the few that I really love the type matching for it because, like, I love that. Steel is super effective against fairy because that harkens to the legends of like the fae and the she where um, they're uh, weak to cold iron. Ooh. Which is, I, there's, I, I could talk for hours on the mythology of Pokemon, but cold iron is uh, basically iron that was forged without heat which you can imagine would be rather difficult and therefore rare. So if you, um, it's kind of like the silver to a werewolf. Right, right. Oh, that's interesting. So no, hearing I that steel is super effective against fairy. I'm like, well, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. No, because I, I recall like some odd type of like, you know, like it doesn't make any sense. Like why would like, why would grass be strong against water? And it's just like, well, because like you water the grass, the grass gets stronger, or it'll absorb the water. That's why. But then it it actually yeah, blew but then my... you get stupid things like flying versus fighting. That one's dumb. Oh, it is. So so not all of them make sense. Let's let's call it what it is. No, I because re I remember hearing about. It, I think it was in a Game Grumps episode where they were just playing a Pokemon and they f they figured out like why why is ice uh, weak against rock? Something about like oh, I can't remember something about like how erosion or like the rock would like crack the ice if it was like embedded in. Yeah, with anything. Ice would break up a rock because that's how erosion works. Oh, okay. Like, I I know I didn't get a major in geology, but I did minor <laughs> in geology. Oh. So. <laughs> so then where did. So I do have a college pseudo degree. Okay. <laughs> See now we'll we'll back on the topic of fairy types. How did poisons fit into that? 
I mean, if you look at fairies as being like cute, sugary, saccharine, sweet, I can see why poison would be super effective against that. Oh, yeah. But that's more like, that doesn't have a mythology necessarily to it. I think that's just like a, oh, yeah. Common sense, have your brain work through it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, why is fairy super effective against dragon? Because they needed something to be, su or to have like, <laughs> it's because they needed it. Because <laughs> dragon needed something else to die from. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Only itself and ice. Uh... Right. Well, so then fairy came along, and not only is fairy super effective against dragon, but it's dragon straight up dragon does immune. not affect fairy. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> it's so nerfing. That's why my Sylveon is level 100. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are not a whole lot of very offensive Pokemon. So, like, I remember I was in a forum at some point and like the question was like, what's something you wish existed in Pokemon? And I was like, a really good, like offensive special attack that wasn't like Moonblast. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are just aren't that many. Um, usually fairy type Pokemon are more like either all around like a more like a gen generally okay across the board um or they tend to have like higher speed for example but special attack i would like to see more tanky fairies yeah which i mean sounds oxymoronic when you say it tanky fairies but shut up <laughs> <laughs> so when so now I'm thinking back. Just P.S. I'm working there, on a cosplay right now. You told me you texted me. I was like, "Ooh, I won't say." I will. I'm working on Clefairy. Okay, she's working on Clefairy, folks. It was the normal type, and then it got an upgrade with um, Pokemon Sun and Moon when they dropped. Oh no, not Sun and Moon. It was um, Pokemon X Y was when they dropped Fairy type. Oh, and, okay. I was gonna snow snow because I was gonna ask like when did they drop the fairy type? Because I'm thinking back to that was yeah that was um Gen six, which was Pokemon X and Y. Okay, that and was... so they retconned a bunch of the original Pokemon. So Clefairy is obviously a fairy type. That's not even <laughs> funny. Actually, I have to see if Clefairy has the normal fairy type. I'm going to check that out real quick because I feel like that is something that Pokemon would do. No, no. They made Clefairy straight up normal. No. Or, um, sorry, straight up fairy. Okay, yeah. So, okay. So this fairy brings me joy because I would have been really upset if they uh, gave it a normal fairy split. That's, that'd be stupid. Well, I wouldn't put it past them. But yeah, when fairy is in your name and you have wings, I you're, a fairy, you're a fairy type. type. <laughs> yeah, you're a fairy type. Yeah, no, because I'm well, because I'm thinking fairy was introduced in Gen Six. That's X and Y. What was what was before X and Y? Black and white. Uh, Gen Five was that black and white or diamond and pearl? 
No, that was black and white. I didn't play Gen 5 or Gen 4, to be honest. I played Diamond. I, I skipped black and white only to play it much later, just for some of the new Pokemon in that generation specifically. Mostly the starters. Um... Uh, yeah, so, it was it was black and white. I didn't play uh, either of them because they came out when I was in a busy time in my life. Okay. Uh, it was before I had a job. Okay, yeah. So having a job means that you have income and can afford stuff. So, by which you had none. Yes. So X and Y was, uh, represented my triumphant return to Pokemon. Okay. So, well, the main thing I'm getting at is Leafeon and Glaceon. Yes. They were introduced in... Were they fourth gen? Diamond and Pearl? I want to say they were fourth gen. So, yeah, Diamond and Pearl. We skipped a generation. Sylveon appeared in the next one, X and Y. Yes. We skipped Sun and Moon. We're in Sword and Shield now. Because I feel like part of the evolution, but I don't think we're going to get one. I wish we did. There was a rumor, I want to say a month before Sword and Shield dropped, that we were going to get a steel type. And I hated the design that was rumored. And I was so grateful that it didn't exist. I'm personally hoping for a uh, ghost type. I think that would be great. Yeah. Do you, so do you think... Or bug. I like if, bug. But there's yeah. no bug. The problem is they would have to invent a way to evolve it. Yeah, that's the so thing. So if you reverse engineer it that way, yeah. how would they make a ghost type Eevee. What do you kill it? <laughs> exactly. It's not gonna happen. Or like, yeah, how so... would you make a bug type? Exactly. Yeah. At well, least steel thinking... type, I can understand how you would do it because they have the um magnetic rocks. And or that's already the... canon. Yeah. The magnetic rocks are how you evolve like nose pass and magneton and all of those and vicavolt like yeah like that i at least can be like okay a steel type ev makes sense but like a fighting type e like evolution like how would you do that EV, fight more <laughs> You haven't entered the specific, very specific competition and it has to win. And right. then it like, evolves. They would have to create an entirely new mechanic. So when um, Pokemon the... X and Y came out and they had the fairy type, they had simultaneously released Pokemon Ami. Yes. Which correct. introduced being able to um, play with your Pokemon. Yeah, play with your Pokemon. And so now you not only had happiness, which was a measure that you couldn't really like get a value on. So there's Pokemon happiness, which was already established as a way to evolve like your Woobat, for example. Yep. But then you get now affection, which is now 
different. Correct. And it's how you evolve different Pokemon. Yeah. So I and would... that, I mean, it worked perfectly for Pokemon to me. Like, it was a really great way <laughs> to roll out that mechanic. So unless Sword and Shield was going to introduce a new mechanic that would involve something with ghosts, like, they kind of have the infrastructure for you to do something with fighting because they have the Pokemon Trainer. But the problem is that the Pokemon Trainer doesn't do, like, it's not like you go into Pokemon Coliseum. You don't see your Pokemon. It's a mini game. So unless they turn that mini game into something more like Pokemon Ami, or now the camping mechanic, then... That, that did get implemented for some Pokemon to evolve. Although, I would tell you right now, I would be A-okay if they made Eevee evolve into a different normal type at a certain level. A different normal? what? It would just be, it would be an evolution to Eevee. It would also be normal. And it would huh. be like, say, level 50. Oh, okay. Interesting. I know, I'm well, maverick. Yeah, well, because I'm wondering, like, say... They won't do it. I promise you they won't do it. I think they're going to stop at nine, frankly. Well, no, because I was hoping, like, say Pokemon is done with introducing new types, because Fairy was the last new type we got. That was two generations ago. Well, they they part can't. Of, part of me is wondering, could could they do an evolution for every single type? It's a lot of types. We're up to how many now? I'm literally One, looking three. it up. Fire, Ice, Electric, Dark, Psychic, Grass, Ice. You just ask Google. Fair. You don't have to count off. You could just ask Google. There are 18 it's, types. Well, eight, well, no, I would, and we're up to nine. Yes. We're halfway there. <laughs> yeah. I want to see a dragon Eevee. That'd be badass. I'd love to see a dragon Eevee. <laughs> I'd love to see a bug Eevee. Yeah. The difference between ground and rock is so subtle that I don't care. Oh God! Just, just make it make it easy and just dual type it. Make it make it absolutely get murdered by water types. <laughs> oh man! Oh, a poison type Eevee would be sick. I've seen like fan evolutions, and those are really cool. Oh, I think I have too. Yeah. There's one image in particular that's made its rounds that's just absolutely charming. Yeah. I'm I'm probably going to get the DLC for Sword and Shield once the second pack comes out. Unless yeah, I get I will likely as well. Yeah, cuz like I'm stacked with like Final Fantasy now Persona... that I have a Nintendo membership. Yeah, Persona 5 and playing Animal Crossing like a crazy person. Um I mean, unless I get through all of them or I can get bored, I'll probably wait till the fall. That's probably the best thing to do right now. <laughs> oh my god. Nintendo does not... They could not have dropped uh, Animal Crossing at a better time. Are you kidding me? It was just like the perfect escape for how god-awful the world is right now. <laughs> like, 
I'm so excited that it exists, but I, my beautiful five-star island is... You had a five... Okay. Oh, friend, I have had a five-star island for, like, weeks now. I got a five-star island by accident. No, I... No, so, folks, I added... I finally added Mink uh, this morning onto my Switch, and I took a peek at her play history. Girl, you got 200 hours plugged into this thing already? I have 200 hours plugged in? Jesus. That's what the activity on your log says. It's not wrong. If anything, it's probably <laughs> a lowballing. <laughs> yeah, we got to visit your island now because, like, I'm, I've been asking my brother, like, I'm still at a two star rating. I'm like, when do you get KK? Like, when you get three star rating? Yeah, you got to like, get a three star rating. And so the best, and this is my power gaming moment because the hilariously, not only do I like, so I'll wake up at like 7, 7.30 and start playing Animal Crossing for like, as I'll play maybe for an hour and then I have to do work and then I'll play during my break times or whatnot. <laughs> so yeah. I'll play between work. Um, but uh, when you're work from home, you kind of set your own hours. So <laughs> I get a lot of hours in. Uh, but when I'm not playing, uh, my boyfriend and I have a nightly ritual that we refer to as tuck in procedure which is when we usually like share a bunch of memes and stuff that we've sent to one another throughout the day, which is, it's just a sweet thing to do. And it's a great way to end the day. So the last right. like several weeks, it's just been us scouring over the animal crossing subreddit <laughs> and getting inspiration. Oh boy. Oh, it's wonderful. It's very inspiring and it's just very exciting. I'm not time traveling because uh, I just made that, rule for myself i did it but, once to help a friend out to sell her turnips on my island because i had a crazy i had a high price so that's the only time i did it to help a friend out and get my to use my turnip prices but other than that now nah, i've been because like i'll i'll play it like first thing in the morning and do like my quote-unquote dailies which is mainly consisting of yeah you go and chore in yeah, you bash the rocks to get the money rock, and then you hunt for fossils, and then I wait till the shop opens, see what they got. I wait till the Able Sisters shop opens, see what they got. I'm surprised at how much clothing I bought. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought I was going to buy, like, no clothing, and then here I am. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I have so much. Yeah. Um, But, like, so I played the game aggressively on the GameCube, and then I played... Uh, not so aggressively on the DS. So it was, I knew going in that this was going to be like something that I went aggro with. So I had like some idea of like what kind of theme I wanted to have for my room. So I started like saving up the stuff that I wanted for it. So I had that going for me. Yeah. But I didn't, I, I'm not a power gamer by any stretch. I'm not sitting there like trolling the internet to, you know, looking for blank. I have a small Facebook group of some of my friends from LARP that uh, we all just like will help one another and everything over and we'll visit each other's islands. So that's my extent of that, which I think is like, you know, very casual gamey approach to it. Yeah. Anyway, the, the best way to get a three star rating is to make sure that you've done the story quest part so that you have nine villagers. I think I have nine villagers upgrade your uh your resident to the residential services building which yep. is easy to do yep and That's then 
anything Isabel tells you you need to do, just so do it. That's pretty much it. I've just been listening to Isabel. First it was plant more flowers. Kay did that. Plant more trees and fruit trees. Kay did that. Now she's saying, water your flowers. Oh, funny. I did that anyway because I was very motivated to um, crossbreed flowers. Right, right. So a lot of the things that, like, Isabel wants you to do to get a five-star island are things that I was doing anyway. Because it was like, get more fruit trees. Okay, but I always was, I was looking for foreign fruit trees, like, from day one. And then it was like, yeah, uh, you know, get more <laughs> flowers. Well, there were foreign flowers, so I've been trying to get those flowers from day one. Plant those flowers, okie dokie. Uh, you know, plant more of them. He, you got it. I'm trying to get black lilies, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah. I just got to keep listening to Isabel. Yeah. I feel like I should have. I should have him visit my island any day now because my yeah. my home's all paid off. I had another successful turnip run, which made me help pay off my basement. Oh, uh, I'm still I'm still working to get a basement. I'm like. 158 bells, uh, thousand bells away. So you can bet I am going to be uh, fishing pretty aggressively. Have you ever done the turn up before successfully? Um, so last Sunday, no, two Sundays ago was the first time I bought turnips. I missed it last Sunday because it was Easter and I just didn't log into the game until afternoon. Um, and it was the first time I had done turnips and it was just like a really low week for my island. Like there was only one day where turnip prices were higher than what I bought them for. Oh. So it has not been very successful for me. But then uh, my boyfriend was like, so are you going to buy turnips tomorrow? I was like, yes, <laughs> I will. You're playing the stock market. <laughs> I know. I don't even want to. It's stupid, but I'll do I it. I don't know. I don't. I might do it anyway, because even though I have no debt, but I'd love to have a million bills again. Because I've been also just like scouring the internet, like poking my friends with, like, anyone got high turnips? Can I come visit? Yeah, I'll get people asking me what my turnip prices are. I'm like, don't. My island is notoriously like the highest turnip prices I've ever seen was like 140. The highest I ever got was 598. Right. Like, I can understand why you would want to, you know, get off your butt for 598, but like 140. That's what I've got going for me. So I don't, not, yeah, I don't think so. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, like, a no for me, sir. Like, like 350 to 400 plus. That'll get me off my feet. Yeah, I'm not. I had to sell my turnips two weeks ago for like, I don't know, 130. It was painful. Oh no! I don't yeah, even think I, it was that high. Yeah, I think I invested like five hundred thousand bells, so the last time, and then I sold them. I think yesterday, a friend of mine on Twitter had her price over four hundred fifty, and I was like, "Oh, sweet, that's enough for me to pay off my debt." Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Tom on that, that note. note <laughs> We went from Pokemon to Animal Crossing. It's not a far jump. Not really. They're very you. It, no. Similar no, it level not. of grind and cute animals. E exactly. 
So uh, hopefully this gave you a little bit of insight into like why people cosplay from Pokemon, be it like Mink said, either the NPCs or like the major characters or the gym leaders or just the Pokemon themselves, uh, as well as like a backstory and do some of Mink's uh, Pokemon creations, as well as the only one that I've ever done. Uh, so I guess before we finish up for good, uh, just like as we were doing this, a uh, quick, quick shout out to my patrons over on Patreon. I have Coralia J, Kat Yusuke Moonfuck, Kendall, Mink, uh, Nicole Marie Jean, Noah, Oh My Sophie, and Shaylin. Um, For those unaware, I'm taking a much longer hiatus from my blog because I'm going to die. I am burned out. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff going on that I got to focus on and take priority. But uh, the podcast episodes will keep coming because, honest to God, these are a lot of fun. And I love doing them. And I'm glad you guys are enjoying them. And uh, Mink, if they want to go find your work, uh, where should they go? So uh, you can find me at Mink the Seder on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am also on Patreon as Mink the Seder. So if you are feeling generous and would like to sponsor me, uh, you can head over to Patreon to do so. Um, I do have a Store Envy account, although in this these difficult economic times, I would say, you know what? Support your local food bank. Don't don't buy my stickers and prints. Just buy people food. <laughs> in, in these hard I am so low time. priority right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you could buy stuff for me, but you know what? Just buy something for like your local food bank, please. I'd much rather you spend your money there. Or just buy stuff to keep you healthy. Yes. If you are a if you are obviously prioritize making sure you and your family are safe, healthy, and happy. If you do happen to have extra money and you want to send it somewhere, send it to your local food bank. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, stay safe out there, guys. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully, this will all pass over soon. I hope. It's crazy. I hope it passes over as soon as is necessary in order to ensure global safety. All right. So uh, stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to leave a review and feedback. You can also support the show through Anchor's listener support or on my Patreon, patreon.com slash lightningpalace. For more cosplay news and coverage, visit the Lightning Palace on Blogspot and follow Lightning Palace on Twitter and Instagram. See you all next time.